Are you struggling with your mental health? Somatic therapy is a type of therapy that helps treat PTSD and the effects from other mental health conditions like anxiety and depression. We're excited to be offering somatic therapy-focused sessions at Power of Your Own in Santa Barbara on Monday evenings at 7.15 and Wednesdays at 9 a.m. You can sign up at powerofyourown.com forward slash class schedule. Welcome to the Messy Progress Podcast, the show that will give you the courage and confidence to get messy, uncaged, and liberated so that you're living your most vibrant life. I'm your host, Adrian Smith, and I'm so stoked that you're here. Let's jump right in. Today, I'm talking with Olympic medalist, entrepreneur, and artist, Caroline Burkle. Caroline was born and raised in Louisville, Kentucky, where she started competitive swimming. After becoming an NCAA champion at the University of Florida, she headed to Beijing and earned a bronze medal at the Olympics. When she retired from the sport, her real inner work began. She earned a master's in sports psychology from the University of Tennessee and an associate's of arts at the Fashion Institute of Design in Los Angeles. She spent the last eight years coaching young athletes on their mindset development with her company Rise and is now working on her next business venture. When I met Caroline in 2014 while taking yoga classes at my studio, she was often injured. As I followed her on social media, she often had a boot on her foot while doing, in my opinion, crazy Olympic lifts and was also posting videos and pictures of her artwork and sketches. It fascinated me. What we're going to talk about today isn't about making it to the Olympics. It's about the subtle ways our bodies are always talking to us and giving us signals. And now being older and wiser, what do you do with them? What do you do after the injuries? And how can we be better listeners for the futures of our bodies? Let's jump right into the messy deep. Hello. Hi. How are you? I'm so good. Today's your wait. It's your one year anniversary of your freaking trip. Holy shit. I feel honored. <laughs> oh my God. I know. It's like, uh, I'm glad you're, I'm glad to talk to you on this. Special oh. day. <laughs> I know. I was like, whoa, I can't believe you agree to this. You should be like taking the day off and going and having a margarita. <laughs> you know, I'm not going to lie. I have not been working very hard. You know what? join the club. Yeah. <laughs> well, that's a lie. I, I feel like I'm constantly busy, which I don't like, but I'm also not doing anything other than this newsletter right now. Like that's really all we're doing. Okay. Great. I'm still on sabbatical. <laughs> yeah. Tell me about that. I want to like you, you, what's <laughs> like the timeline been from when you decided to October, end of October. And then it was holidays. So that like, didn't matter. So it's really been six months. And I told myself I would give myself six months and I'm at six months and I'm like, so I still don't know what, (laughs) like, I'm still, I'm like getting there, but it's really interesting how, you know, you just, I don't know, you just sit with yourself without anything to achieve for six months. And you're like, oh, I have, no jaw clenching at night. Like I'm not, you know, it's like all these things happen. And then you're like, so how do I keep that going while also making money? (laughs) Right. Like I have to, right. No, you know, what's so great that I'm I'm loving, I don't even know where this conversation is going to go, but I I'm loving it already. This this is, um, mm, I feel like it's the, what's not talked about when 
we, I feel like, okay, we, we live in kind of a similar world. We're in like the wellness world, right? <laughs> and I would say based on just the little bit that I know of when we met and you were coming to my studio and you were kind of chronically injured, there was like a bone, whatever, just like stress fracture here. And, and then I would be like, you know, not going into any story, but I'm like, gosh, what's going on with, with now we know hero's body, you know, but at the same time, like the same stuff has been going on with me. And like, you talk about jaw clenching at night, right. When we got back from our trip, like me and two of my teammates, both were the three of us were all like, Oh, I'm doing that. I'm doing that. I'm doing that. I'm like, well, that's new. Yeah, and yeah. maybe not new. Cause that happened at the beginning of COVID when I was super stressed. And, yeah. and at the same time, bigger, big point of all this is we're in the wellness world and we're not well, like yeah. fully well. And yeah, so it's yeah. like, how do we help in my mind? I'm always like, how do I help my, I guess my, maybe my limiting belief is like, how do I help <laughs> those that are like, working 40 plus hour weeks. And when I'm not working maybe 20 hours, legitimate hours a week, and I'm still having all these body pains. And I have a theory though, that I think when you have your own business and you're entrepreneurial, it's just a different stress. It's a diff. It doesn't matter if you're creating something all the time, or if you're not, I just think it's harder because you don't, you, you don't just put it down at five o'clock. Like you have to live and breathe that expectation 24 seven. And it just creeps in. And I'm not saying people with a nine to five aren't stressed. I'm just saying it's a different kind. Like it's, it's such a, like, I'm responsible for all of this and for those people and for me and for this. And like, now it's, I don't know. I, I truly think that because my friend Cassidy, like all my entrepreneurial friends say the same thing. They're like, yeah, I'm talking with my husband and it's like, we have a great life. Like, you know, we own these businesses, like we own, they own two gyms. They're like, okay, like this is great. You know? And, um, we live in Florida. It's like sunny out. Like we, we can take days off. We really want, or, you know, whatever, but like, we're so stressed all the time and we don't know why, like we don't seemingly have this like horrible, difficult life. We're just constantly in this state of expectation. And she was like, that's like she, her and I talk about this all the time where it's just like, is it, wouldn't it be nice if you just come home and the conversations aren't always about work or you could just set it down and just move on with the day. It's like, that never happens. Like yeah, we use that word expectations doing- is it's like, we're not stressed because we're trying to survive. Yeah. We're stressed because we put so much expectations yeah. on the success of something. Yeah. Right. And I think it's just, it's so different because I know that people with nine to five, my my friends, nine to five, their stress is, am I fulfilling this? Or am I, you know, it's a, it's a different kind of thing of performing for something else, you know? So that's a whole nother stress that I I don't know that I would be good at. (laughs) Like I would not be good at that. So I commend those, like those people and those friends that do that. But I think it's just such a different expectation when you feel like the world is on your shoulders and it's exhausting and it can cause like a lot of feelings of that exhaustion, you know? Um, yeah. but again, I'm, I'm no expert on that topic. Cause I clearly am still figuring it all out myself, but yeah. um, well, one of my, I've heard this a long time ago where someone's like, and not to, I don't know, it's not to be an expert, but it's like to teach people something you just need to know like 1% more than they yeah. do. 
I mean, I, I think about that with, you know, when I teach people how to teach yoga at the beginning, when I first started to teach, I had a mentor that was like, start leading teacher trainings. And I was like, I am not qualified. There is no part of I, that is ridiculous. And then she's like, just do it. I'll help you. And I thought, well, if this person believes in me and they, like my certifications kind of came from them, then like, why shouldn't I do it? They believe in me, but then I'm my own self-critic that's saying, no, I shouldn't do this. And like, if we never get the ball rolling in that, you know, we know just a little bit more. Now, granted, there's like then the opposite side of the spectrum where there's, all sorts of coaches, wellness coaches, health coaches, life coaches, optimal blah, 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 blah coaches. And it's like, they just went and got one weekend course certification and then claim that they know all the things and they're 21. Yeah. And right. so it's like, cool. I don't know that I can take advice from you. So, um, I mean, you've gone through, you have so much experience, not only just in the real world as an athlete performing at the highest level at the, on the biggest stage of all stages, plus helping others do that on their stages. And yeah. you, your, your education was recent that you went back for talk about that. No, I went back right before I moved to Santa Barbara. So okay. I was in grad school in, um, yeah, literally like right when I finished grad school, I moved out to Santa Barbara. So whatever years those were, that was like 2014 to 16 or, you know, okay. time frame or 13 to 15. Um, so I went back and I went to university of Tennessee for sports psych. And I just remember being you know, even, even as an elite athlete and having done what I did, I still felt like an imposter in a lot of ways, even after getting a master's degree. So it's like, sometimes I don't even know if that whole feeling ever goes away either with like, who am I to tell these people what to do? Or who am I to say, this is the answer for, for this problem or this issue or whatever. I think something interesting too, with, with that whole imposter syndrome piece, because when, you're getting a degree and you're told, okay, I can go help these people do these things or whatever. You all of a the sudden then relive your experiences and you're like, oh, well, if I didn't do that, even though now I know this, you know, the answer to it, if I didn't live that way, it, can I share these things? You know, can I help these people if that wasn't my, my life? So for example, you know, um, if I'm trying to help an athlete with anxiety or nerves or whatever it was like a young athlete when at the time, when I started out working here, I am like, hold on. Like <laughs> I didn't practice any of these things that I'm preaching. So how am I like credible to give these, these pieces of advice? So it's just a, it's a constant up and down. And I don't know that anybody in the, I mean, I'm sure Andrew Huberman, you know, sometime I watched his live the other day and it's, he says things on there. He's like, I don't know. I mean, I, trial and error on that one for me, you know, he's honest. And I think we're all in that space where we're just trying to figure it out. I, I don't think that ever goes away. So every expert that we see, you know, what is the definition of expert to us? Is it really somebody that knows it all? Or is it somebody that's just sharing their experience from their point of view and their perspective and what they have learned over a number of years? and likely can change over the next five for them. Well, they, they, I mean, in the book writing world, um, I remember hearing Brene Brown say something like, if she could go back and rewrite like one of her first books, she would change some things because yeah. 
her new research I'm not getting this exactly right, but like her new research contradicts what she wrote in her first book. Yeah. And so then there's this part where back to credibility, it's like, well, something lives out there forever in print. It's even, even encyclopedias back when there was encyclopedias or textbooks for school, like they all get updated, but it's like, what's the way of, um, how do you, how do you personally, you know, in the moment when you have those things where you're giving someone advice on nerves and anxiety and you're like, well, shit, I didn't practice this. <laughs> like, how do you talk yourself out of the, I'm not credible, but I also know how to do this because it, it has. Yeah. You've probably tried I, it at least one time. Yeah. I think I have learned over the past, I don't know, four or five years to just be honest and just say, I didn't do this. Like this wasn't how I lived. I recoiled or I shut down or I, you know, I would give an example of what I did as a way to leverage that experience and then go from there. Because I think a lot of people do like to relate as well or to understand that they're not alone. Mm -hmm. And it doesn't matter if I'm talking to a 15 year old or a friend or on a podcast or whatever. It's like giving the honest truth about your experience, I think can help so many people because they can take it or leave it. They can learn from your experience or they can say that is not what I experienced. I'm going to go listen to something else. <laughs> um, yeah. But but I do think that that's really the only way because I personally, it doesn't sit well with me when I try and preach something without at least sharing like, hey, you know, when I was going through this, like I didn't do work very well with this. And just being honest with you, like that, it's a very human thing. Like it's, it's normal to fail or to stumble over these concepts or, you know, whatever it is that you're teaching. Um, I just say, I just say the truth now. <laughs> I just, I don't, I don't know. I just don't care to try and lie about it. The thing that shows up the most for me there would be honestly getting injured <laughs> over and over again, because I think I started to realize once I could put a, a few of the pieces together with, okay, my injuries are a product of stress. They are a product of, you know, negative uh, self-worth. <laughs> They're a product of pushing myself to limits that maybe I, I needed to pay attention to. <laughs> um, and I think being able to sit with that and not lie about that, like, you know, even when I, when I knew you, I was still in a phase of trying to figure all of this out. But I think when I started to sit with like, okay, my body is literally breaking, like actually breaking bones. And I feel like this is telling me something in this moment that I need to understand. And that was, I can't put on this front anymore and just pretend everything is fine. And that I'm, you know, got rainbows and butterflies coming out of my ass. Like this is, this is my life. And if there's things that are hard, I need to own them because me denying anything that I've experienced or any of my beliefs or my thoughts or whatever it is, is only making this worse because I am holding it all inside, trying to be this like perfect little face and angel for the world or whatever it is. And it's not working for me. <laughs> like it's just straight up not working for me. But I think until I slowed down enough to where I really couldn't do anything and I had to sit with myself, you know, like sitting, literally sitting at home on the couch for months on end. Yeah. I, like you have to figure out what it is that you're thinking and feeling. You, you can't really bypass that anymore. Mm-hmm.
when you're in that kind of situation. It's not, it was so easy for me to bypass it with over-exercise or just distracting myself or hiding or working, like just nonstop, just figuring out a way to distract myself. And then now when you sit, you know, when you sit, you're like, oh, okay, this is uncomfortable. Like I have literally been hiding and running from the truth of what I feel for a long time and just said, everything's fine. Like here I am, you know, and in the meantime, the inside is just like, ready to explode, (laughs) just needs to cry for like three weeks straight kind of thing. Mm -hmm. Um, so I think that was honestly, my body told me, and I I didn't realize that till a few injuries in. Yeah. It took a couple of times. It's like, we're going to hit you once. Yeah. I'm listening. Hit you again. Yeah. Well, cause you get it the first, you know, injury or two as an athlete, you're like, this is just doing too much. Like I was just, you know, Oh, it's just the knocks and I was running too hard. You know, like you just kind of yeah. blame it on the physical immediately. And then you're realizing like, hold on, this is actually not real. <laughs> like That's not what happened. You know, like I, there's no reason to have this other than what's going on mentally. Um, and finding that connection was so powerful for me between my mind and what was happening with my body. Because then I realized like, wow, like, <laughs> it's, it's crumbling before me. Cause I have no worth self-worth in that area. And it's showing up in every way possible through my mental health, through hiding myself, through avoiding, through distracting, through injury, through sickness, through, you know, malnourishment, like whatever it is, it was like a constant. Yeah. It was like a constant, uh, my body was just trying to survive mm-hmm. and, yeah. So that, that to me, I would say was like a light switch, several light switches that went on and off for, over a span of time. Um, well, you yeah, use the yeah. word survive when I was talking about like, well, you weren't, you're not in full survival mode because you do have food, shelter, clothing, right. water, right. Connections, people, you know, yeah. your life's not at stake in that way that some people in the world are 100 yet. The key here that I want people to hear is that you, you created that to be true in your body with the way that you were thinking, speaking to yourself, um, looking at your performance, your expectations of yourself, your, you use the word worth and yeah. And it's, it's in, it's like, it's quite to me insane that this is something that's not taught. Like it's not something I learned. Why did I not learn this until I'm in my forties? Yeah. And now like, granted, like I still have, you know, probably hopefully more life to live than I've lived so far. When you think about like numbers of me, you know, how how will live till I'm moving and grooving and I'm in my nineties, but it's like to have spent the last 40 plus years not having anyone teach me that. Like my parents, I didn't expect them to now that I, you know, I don't expect them to have known that, Yeah, but I just think that we've come so far. with all the technology that we have, with all the, we're we're able to access information everywhere. And yet this isn't the information that's being shared. Yeah. And and allowed for like a new learning and a new, um, it's not accessible to everybody. I feel like it's accessible in our privileged world because we, that's the world we're in. And yet it's not, you know, it's not in public school. Yeah. No. Yeah. I actually just listened to a podcast yesterday from George Bovell, who was like a many time Olympic medalist, um, sprinter, I am her, and he was on Brett Hawks and I'm telling you, you have to listen to this. He goes so deep about this topic and just 
you know, the, the amount, and basically he land, what he lands on is this level of awareness that we now have. And like you said, generation before two, three, before whatever, like they didn't have that same awareness. It wasn't, it just wasn't there. And that's just purely because that's the generation that they were in. And now that we have all this technology and more awareness, people are starting to realize a lot more about themselves, about their preferences, about how to train, how to recover, you know, both mentally, physically, emotionally, spiritually, their understanding, um, what needs they have their and they're understanding their nervous system, which I think is a huge win across the board for athletes and anybody that's really living and breathing on this earth, like yeah. to understand your own nervous system and that it is literally a product of conditioning and it's not to blame anything, but it's to learn from is like the most powerful lesson I, I have ever learned and that many of my friends have ever learned. And I think as athletes can propel your performance tenfold, just because you're understanding, okay, when am I in a state of fight or flight versus when am I completely shut down? What brings me to those places? And then if you backtrack even further, why do I get there? What are the reasons why I either get to one or the other? So it's like, you've got this pendulum and it swings to both sides. And the goal is to keep yourself in the middle because you don't want to be like freaking out all the time in fight or flight, like trying to survive internally. Mm -hmm. And then if you're shut down, that's when we see people disappear and, you know, depression and all of that hits. So it's like, how do we swing it back to the middle? And it's the greatest tool that we can have. And anyway, he was going on and on about this in, in that podcast. And I've been like obsessed with studying this for a while because I feel like it's that hidden key that so many people, you know, are trying to find to unlock the door of like, how can I feel better in life? Like, how can I not, how can I handle situations better? How can I perform better? How can I not be so exhausted? How can I operate on a day-to-day basis? But um, yeah, I think that awareness of that nervous system and what we are as human beings has been the biggest change in our society now. And I think it's the most, honestly, I could go on and on, but I just think if we can really understand how we operate on an individual basis and then use that in our lives so that we're not repeating the same patterns over and over and over again, this is only going to get better. Again, not using it as an excuse, not blaming, well, I'm this way because of this. That's not the goal here. It's to better understand. I react negatively to this because I have been in situations that I have not felt safe in that way. So I need to relearn that pattern so that I can live a better life. I mean, that's the, and it's the moving forward part. It's the, this happened and this, I like to use the language with when I'm working with people too, of like, this is how I have been. Right. It's not how I am. Pattern. Right. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah. Patterns are everything. I mean, it's what keeps our world going. We have patterns everywhere. Animals do, we do like it's, this is just the way it is. But if you continue to repeat the same pattern over and over and over again, if I would have repeated the same pattern, I would still be injured. I would still be malnourished. I would still be, you know, I would still have all of the same things because I would have repeated this. I must prove myself in order to feel loved. Like I must like put myself in this position where I prove because I don't feel worthy and I'll feel love if I prove myself in all these arenas over exercising and this and achieving and and all of these things. So 
that's an easy pattern to repeat and a very hard one to break. I will totally. add that. <laughs> especially when you get credit for it, especially in like totally. as a female too, yeah. where it's like the moment that your body looks, we'll just yep. say like slightly fitter, yep. then you get a, a positive acknowledgement for it. And then the moment that you feel like, I don't know, you, you're, you're slow, whether you're like performance wise, we'll just use like running or, um, you yeah. know, you're in the pool and you're swimming with alongside people and someone else is noticing that you've slowed down and then they, they point it out or that you sped up, they point it out. And, you know, if I'm out running with people, I've noticed like for myself, like I, I don't personally, like I've had to take a, I've taken, I've taken a long break from like working out with people because yeah they've have this, there's this thing where everyone's like, oh, you'd be really great at this. Like you're super competitive or like, you know, the moment that I come back to running with a group of people, there's like an acknowledgement of like, oh, wow, you're still really fast. And I'm just like, can we, can we not compare me to anything? Right. Because I'm already doing that enough myself yeah. internally of this is where I used to be, or these were my old race results. And I'm not I'm 13 years older than I was when I first was crushing it in triathlon. Like, yeah. And then I, I look at, you know, my daughter being almost six. And the first thing that everybody says to her when they see her is like, not everybody, but a lot of people will be like, oh my gosh, you know, they'll, just because she's a girl, they'll, like people will use very like princessy language, like, oh, hi princess or hey, pretty girl. Or I'm like, oh my God. Oh my God. This is how this starts. It starts not because I'm, I mean, there's times where I say that, but yeah. I'll say to her like, Hey, don't cover up your face. You're beautiful. Yeah. And then like different than someone just acknowledging you outright for something. And then it's like, that's how that gets started. Yeah. Yep. And I, I, yeah. It, and it's, it's so, it's so real. And it's hard because again, you don't want to blame anyone or anything. It can happen over just like micro things over and over again, whether it's small achievements in high school or grade school to high school, you know, whatever it is. And all of a sudden you're like, Whoa, this is how I feel really good about myself. And I think, you know, during 2020 and like right around that phase when we're all forced to sit still and, you know, and I was doing a lot of somatic therapy work and just trying to release a lot of crap that I had just still been holding on to. And, I remember at the very beginning, you know, I'm in the phase of just wanting to be angry at everybody and everything. And it's like, honestly, it's okay to access that sometimes and just figure out why you're so angry. And usually it's at yourself too, because you're just like, Oh, like I didn't take responsibility to really say I'm in control of my life and I can choose that path. And I, I think every human it's healthy to go through a phase where you are angry and almost playing victim a little bit because you do learn a lot about that. And I think playing and being in that victim space for a while taught me so much about myself, uh, obviously myself, but also what I feel like the only way that I can get love from is from other things. So it's like, you're in this weird grief of like, yeah, it's great. Angry. For sure. And then I'm grieving this, like, I'm not getting that anymore. So like, do I need to be angry or, you know, but then it's a thousand layers deep and it has a million different faces that show up all the time. So I think it's a really interesting space to be in, but it's easy for people to say, you know, don't play the victim or just get over it or whatever. And I think 
yes, to an extent, if it's been going on for decades or something, but, um, it's, it's a healthy space to be in if you can alchemize it into something that's not so, yeah, blame oriented and more radical responsibility of taking control of your own life and your role that you play in your own suffering. Yeah. I think that radical responsibility too comes with something like I I can hold space for complaints and things like that. And at some point you have to want to get out of that. Yeah. 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 I, and, and choose it in whether it's like being in community with others where, I mean, I've had this same reoccurring complaints and I'll talk to friends about it. And then it takes a really strong, confident, trustworthy person to say to me, do you want to keep venting or do you want to, do you want advice? Right. Like I, and part of it's like, I've been on that side too, where I'm internally thinking like, I don't want to listen to this anymore. Cause it's yeah. the same over and over again. Yeah. But it takes, I think like when we're in relation with people, having someone that's confident enough, strong enough, trustworthy enough to say like, boom, yeah, I yep. love you. Let's move forward. Yeah. yeah. But I'm yeah, also yeah, yeah. not your therapist. I'm not your coach. I'm your friend. So right. how can I support you? And that's the space I've been in more recently where it's like, I love you, but if we're going to keep talking about this, I don't want to be around you anymore. Right. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. Because it's like, you don't want to become an enabler either for someone's shit. And there are plenty of people out there that can help with that, that are actually, that's their job title, you know, like that's part of what they do. And so it's keeping those relationships pure and clean also of too much residue to where it gets exhausting to you in the world of let's talk about like the world of sports performance is I've always been the believer and have had people say to me is train with people who are better than you. Yeah. And so when it comes to life also is if you're doing life with people that are out drinking all the time, not eating well, having complaint conversations, then and myself included, I've been there and that's what I then do. And I'm like, this isn't actually what I want to be doing. And this isn't helping me. It's, it can feel kind of fun in a way to, I don't know, not have responsibility. Cause I feel like such a responsible person. Yeah. And yet at the same time, I'm like, we need to put ourselves. And it sounds like you do that when you're saying like talking about friends and the nervous system and having that kind of experience banded conversation. Yeah. Our kids have had a rough time these last few years, and instead of being on the fixing end of wellness, waiting for symptoms to arise, we want to be on the preventative and fun side. Creative Expression for Kids is a three-week class giving our children creative spaces to learn about themselves and how they connect with others in a way that is fun. The fun starts September 26th. To get more information and to sign up, visit powerofyourown.com forward slash class schedule. So how do you, do you like, like, what does it look like for you when you're in like your social life? Like I'd love to look. It's funny because my closest friendships now are only people that speak this same language. (laughs) And I, of course, I think that that's just evolved over time because we all had a common thread of being curious about 
human behavior or the world or whatever. And then as society has evolved and people are starting to learn more about how to interact with others and, you know, how to regulate during arguments or stressful times or, or whatever it is, or how to heal your past and look at your patterns, like all of that, all these new, you know, new agey, new agey, popular topics that are actually so great. I mean, don't get me started on how they can uh, be overused, but I think the bottom line is they're great for people to understand. So all my friendships have evolved in that way to where since we had that threat of being interested in all of that, we all sort of have been on our own journeys and been able to share our learnings with each other. One thing that I do think that most of my friendships do really well, and it's because of that same thing is ask if the other person has space for that. So all of us will say, Hey, do you have space for me to just, I need to vent for like 20 minutes. I'm really frustrated with this situation or whatever. Um, and if it's like, can't like booked all day, like send me a voice memo and I'll get to it when I can, you know, it's more of like a, this is, unless it's an absolute emergency, like I'm not in a space where I can do that. And I think that's been really helpful because then you practice boundaries with your own friends and with, you know, and they have them and then you have them and then you respect it. And they're going to be there for you if it's an emergency, but if it's just like my neighbor's driving me crazy and I can't focus or (laughs) I'm just making that up, you know, um, then it's not emergency. It's just what's, what's really wrong with that. You know, the other day, one of my friends reached out to me and said, you know, I'm just really frustrated because of this situation with a friend. And, um, I, my expectation was different from her than what I received. And, um, it's so funny to see the conversation quickly switch from, well, what's your need? Like, what do you need from her? Or, you know, switch from like that whole, like venting thing to an immediate, like, what do you need? Because underneath everything is what do you need? Like, there's a need that's not being met. And it's like, I needed her to be there for me. It's like, okay, then you need to tell her that, (laughs) you know? So it's, I think it's getting less of a, um, my friendships are less of a, uh, and I think in my mid twenties and late twenties, even we're more, this happened and I must talk about it. And it's this big event. And Mm. now it's like, this happened. What do we do here? (laughs) It's less, it's, the explosion is smaller and like the solution is bigger. And I think that even if it's not an immediate solution, even if it takes months or whatever it is that's going on, you know, if there's family stuff or if there's a relationship issue or whatever, there's still more of a constructive conversation versus like this, this like explosion of, I just am anxious and don't know what to do. And I am having this like panicked moment and don't me wrong. There's still those, but for the most part, it is nice to see that evolution of like, okay, this is happening. What's the need? Like, and what are you going to do in that moment? Yeah. Now you've been, you've moved over several places. Mm -hmm. Not recently. You've been in the same, you've been in Redondo for a while, right? So as you've established yourself in different locations of where you've gone to school and where you, you know, went to grad school and then you were in here, you're in Santa Barbara for a while and you're in Redondo now. It's like, how did you find your community of people that, um, in terms of friendships that are localized versus like those that you call on the phone? Yeah. Um, 
Well, How'd you find your tribe? <laughs> yeah, every and honestly, every city it's been uh, an athletic atmosphere. So whether it was Poyo or in Tennessee, it was like our gym that we went to that we did like Spartan training and all the obstacle course stuff, which was like super fun. You know, like completely, I'm horrible at all of it, but um, you know, stuff like that, places like that, I feel like I gravitated toward because those people. I feel like we all get each other. We don't need to look a certain way for each other. We don't have to put on a show. It's just kind of um, more of a gritty, gritty love, you know, like you're there because you're sweating with each other and you look like absolute, you know, they're a puddle of sweat and, and you can cry around each other and it's not a big deal. And I do feel that that really helps me because I notice that when I'm in an environment where I feel like I have to like put on a face that I don't establish the same kinds of raw, you know, raw friendships where you can just be who you are. And, um, so that's been, that's been the best thing for me. And I think keeping in touch has always been harder for me personally with people out of town. I'm where my feet are (laughs) always. And I think I struggle, you know, keeping in touch. And that was a goal of mine last year is like, okay, I have friends. One of my best friends is from Knoxville in grad school there. She lives in North Carolina now, you know, um, like some friends in Santa Barbara, same way, like, you know, Anjali, like that, like I, I keep in touch with them more now than I did, you know, in the past. Cause I just get going in the environment I'm in and I forget to touch base with them, but it's not forget. Well, I don't know. Maybe it is forget. I just, start living life. It's living life. It's, I think that's taking it personally too, where everybody in is living their life. Mm -hmm. And I'm just thinking recently, um, my sister lives just down the block for me and, uh, I, her father-in-law is sick. So her, her husband is back in the Midwest, um, helping out, with that process. And so she's home by herself for, and it's been like now two weeks and I'm just thinking like, Oh, I'm just like doing my life over here. There's no, there's no issue, but I'm thinking to myself like, Oh my gosh, I'm having family with my, I'm having dinner with my family every night, or I have something going on every night. Cause it's summer and it's just, you know, yeah. we can get out a little bit more, but I'm like, but she's been home, like probably having dinner by herself. And there's a part of me that like takes that responsibility on of yeah. like, Oh, I'm being a, like a bad family member or bad sister. And I'm also like, I, I didn't even, I'm not even, I'm thinking about it as I'm sharing it with you, but I'm also like, it's not my responsibility back to the thing about friends and needs is if someone reaches out, it's like, what do you need? If you don't say what you need, you don't know. And I always tell people this when I'm training them with with like, as a teacher, I was like, if you don't, or, or when I have staff members, I'm like, if you don't tell me that you don't like doing this job anymore. I won't know. Right, 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 right. If something's bothering you and you don't tell me, I won't know. Yeah. Because I'm not a mind reader. I'd like (laughs) to think that I can kind of tell your demeanor of like something's a little off, (laughs) but unless you let me in also, I don't know how I can support you. Yeah. And that's, it's a huge lesson in itself to speak up for what you need. And it's terrifying especially if speaking of patterns and past conditioning, if that wasn't something that you did. Um, I think a lot of women, you know, thirties and forties can agree that that wasn't our upbringing. And that's, it's just, it's totally different now. And that's great. But 
you know, it wasn't normal. Like I remember, you know, just being in school and it's not normal to say, I need this. <laughs> you have to like, may I please, you know, you have to really beg for a need in that way. And so it's very unnatural. And at least most of my friends have felt this way, like where they're really learning to say, I need, you know, point blank, whatever it is. Like, that's a very hard statement to make, yeah. um, but it's, it's a constant lesson. And I think in relationships for me, like that's always been harder until like very recently, my last relationship was like the first time where it was like, I need you to tell me what you need. Cause I was always like, uh-huh, yeah, totally. No, no worries. Everything's great all the time. And it's like, no, I have needs too, you know? And I think I, I didn't realize that. I didn't know I could have them. <laughs> yeah. And also, <laughs> did say you, it, no one knows. were you part of the Lululemon group up here? Yeah. So I worked okay. there when I was, I, that's why I was there actually. Cause remember I helped with Aviva. After. Ah, yes. Yeah. So I went from Lulu then, and then, um, moved over to Aviva with their, okay. yeah. When they were one of the languaging things that Lulu always used when it came to like goal setting was having buy wins. Yes. And it's, it's like saying, I need this and I'm not saying it's, I'm, cause I deal with that with, with Jason. Like I literally just said last night, I was like, we, and I said, we, as where I just should have said I, but like, we need a date night. And he's yeah. like, yeah. Yeah. And then it's like, okay, cool. I just put it out there, but now how is it going to happen? Because, right. you know, there's, there's a lot of things that are needed. Like I need someone to fold Reese's clothes because she's not going to do it. (laughs) And I noticed that like in the background, what's running is like, if I don't make the request really specific, like I need this by this time, or I need this because I'm feeling, you know, like I'm like not connected or overextended, or like if I'm working at home and I see that my house is a mess, like I can't relax and focus on something that's Right. Really joy filling. And so it's like backing it up where it's like, this matters because of this. And I need it done like by tonight. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> someone's going to die. Resentment too. You know, mm-hmm. like then you just become resentful of a situation that you haven't expressed what you need. Mm-hmm. And um, I mean, going back to the friendships conversation, and even, I mean, this even applies to everything we've talked about. It's like, if you don't, say what you need, or if you don't get to that thing where this is what I need, then resentment inevitably is always there. It doesn't matter how long it festers, it will come up. And, um, I mean, I've had like little friend arguments before with my closest friends. And we always joke, like, are you a best friend if you haven't had an argument? Cause you know, usually you need to like learn how to That's resolve true. arguments. Like all of my best friends, we've had some sort of like spat of (laughs) it's some of them are so silly I like can't even believe we had them but you know it all ended up with like one of us didn't share what we needed and the other person was or and that person resented what the situation all of them like every single one and it was it goes both ways on both sides so it's really interesting to think about that and again going back to what we start first started this conversation with like in my life, like when I was going through a difficult time in a darker period, like I didn't know what I needed. So I was constantly resentful because I, I knew, but I didn't know how to express it, I guess is what I'm trying to say. So then you just become resentful of everything and then anger. And then, you know, 
then the grief comes in and then you're still trying to figure out what the hell it was that you needed. And it's like, oh, I needed to be heard or listened to in my athletic career or understood or somebody that understood the type of athlete that I was. And that's what I'm still holding on to. Cool. I'm resentful 10 years later still, you know, so it's like, and then I'm holding it in my body and my body is breaking down. And here we are trying to resolve this whole situation with something that could have easily been articulated. From yeah. the- and sometimes with that is like, we don't always get totally, we don't get the closure on something is yeah. like one thing with resentful was that resentment is, is it lives inside of ourselves and it's not someone else's responsibility to remedy it. Right. So it's, um, it's like having a forgiveness of the situation. Cause there's, yeah, we might not be able to talk to that person and we can write letters and never send them and all of that stuff. But it, it ultimately goes back to the, the, the healing on the inside. Yeah. And also the ability to move forward and say yeah. like, this happened, I made it mean this and you know, whatever the conversation in our head is like, I forgive this person and I forgive myself for holding this for 10 years. Yeah. Yeah. Let's move forward. Yeah. And it doesn't mean that that thing I would imagine with you is like, it doesn't just go away. It doesn't become a thought that you never have. It's just a new relationship with that thought and you're able to hold it differently in your body. Yeah. Yes. Yes. You become more of an observer and you hold it lightly. And it's interesting you say that because I think about this often when I just reflect on humans in general and like human population and all of it, it's like, there are so many things that we're all walking around with that we haven't closed the door and it shows up in other ways, right? It projects onto other experiences in our lives. And like, how beautiful would it be if in school at a young age or, you know, whatever, whatever it is, we like part of the curriculum is like learning how to resolve and forgive things that have happened a long time ago, even as like a little kid, you know, like learning these things. And, and maybe we did. And and those that did still struggle, I think that's to be human, but I think it's an interesting thing to think about. Cause I just, I reflect on people I know, or like, like I said earlier, even my neighbors, you know, I live in an environment where I'm just like, Oh man, they're still holding on to something, you know, cause it's like every day is an anger and every day there's something that is, upsetting to a specific neighbor. (laughs) And I just so badly, you know, I reflect on those moments and I just, they're the, the walking example of how, if we hold on to something so tightly, if we grip it so hard, it causes chronic pain. It causes projection and anger onto someone else or something else. It causes relationships to suffer. It causes all of these things because you can't unpack old conditioning and you never probably were heard or spoke a need. And now we're in this cycle all over again. And, and again, I'm, I'm saying this out of love for people that are struggling with letting go, because I'm sure there's going to be something else that I'm like, Oh wait, that's still bothering me. (laughs) And I feel like we can see it when we see it in others. And this is for myself is when I see something happen in someone that just as simple as, um, you know, it hasn't been super sunny in Southern California this last couple of weeks. And 
you know, then the topic of conversation is about the weather and, and I've, I'm guilty of it myself where <laughs> now all of a sudden, you know, I'm going to teach yoga this morning at 6am it's five something. And I'm like, yeah, the sun's out. And then I bring up the sun's out, you know, and it's just like this acknowledgement of what we've been missing. Um, but when the sun wasn't out, how much that was the topic of conversation and how everyone was bummed. And it's so funny. Cause just even in that of I really want the sun to be out. Yeah. Like I, I, I need sunlight. Um, yeah. Yeah. And like to, to be able to say that without like, I'm blaming the world. I'm looking right. at my, right. I'm blaming you world for like making it cloudy. And yeah. it's like, when we hear, when I hear anyone, you know, complaining and, and yeah, I do it too. Like, and same. I mean, same, I, I think it's an easy way to, I, I often also think about how people connect with others. And so it's either through joy or through pain usually. And this is a big topic that, you know, when I was sharing earlier with things I was working through, like that was one of them, because if I could have enough pain and then succeed, I could like be loved even more. Cause it's like, Whoa, you overcame this huge thing. Like, you know, you can, you almost connect over the pain piece and um I learned a new term for that. It's called trauma porn. Oh wow, that's good. There's like a um that's really good. <laughs> yeah. Wow. That, mm. Yeah, there's like a style of makes sense. Yeah. Like we create we like we get addicted to that kind of like watching people have stories of overcoming, which I think everyone overcomes something in life. We all do. We're all 100 percent yeah. Yeah. But it's interesting because, you know, you'll have friendships or couples or whatever relationship you have. And one person connects over joy and the other person connects over pain or helping or fixing or, you know, whatever it is. And so I've been really hyper-focused on that myself, just because I do sometimes notice even still that it is easier for me to connect over pain with someone if someone's hurting or someone's in pain, I'm like, put me in coach. Let's go. Like, I know how to do this. Like, this is incredible. And it's really interesting because I recently got my doula certification and I've, I've been to two births and I absolutely love it, which is crazy. Cause I've never birthed a child myself. So there's a lot of imposter syndrome there, but it is very similar to sports psych in a lot of ways that I've noticed so far, at least with my two mothers that have birthed their former athletes and they they're both like, all right, talk to me. Like, tell me, like, I, I don't want to do this right now. Talk to me, you know? And so it was really interesting to see that dynamic specifically with them. But it's funny how in that moment I was like, oh, I'm connecting with both here. Like I have to connect with joy and pain at the exact same time. And then I was like, oh, you can do both. Like it doesn't have to be this extreme of ways of connecting with people. So again, to your point about talking about the weather, it's easy to connect over the pain of the gloominess, you know, like, and sometimes that's almost a way for people to connect. And then again, connecting over joy of the sunshine. And it's, I think we can have both. And, and a lot of us get trapped in really only doing one or the other. And um, being able to hold both at the same time is a beautiful feeling to be like, okay, I can, I can enjoy this conversation or this connection with this person because two things are true. They need a listening ear and 
we can enjoy each other's company and like be friends and go on a walk and go get ice cream or, you know, whatever it is. Like, it doesn't need to be this doom or gloom all the time. With yeah. people. You don't have to be sitting down on the floor, like crying and sulking. Right. Could be, or like, everything's great. Like 24 yeah. seven. Like, it's just be like this sucks. let's go get ice cream and we're going to suck. It's going to suck together, but at least we're going to have like a little bit of goodness. Right. And I think again, it's easy to go to an extreme is my point. Again, back to the pendulum. Like it's easy for us to go to an extreme. It's easy to go to pain or fight or flight, or this is like this dramatic thing. Or I can only connect with somebody if they need something from me. And like, I want something from that. You know, it's like this drama of that, of that relationship or this, like, everything's fine, whatever. It doesn't matter. Like, we don't need to talk about anything hard. Like, It's fine. Everything's great. Peachy keen. Like, Everything's fine. Everything's fine. Yeah. And neither of those are reality. So can we all as a, as a world, as a society get to a place where both of those things can be true? We can swing back and forth, but we can ultimately land in the middle to where we are learning how to embrace both pain and joy, learning how to regulate ourselves in moments where we are either completely flat out or completely freaking out. And like, we don't need to just choose one all the time. Like both are possible. Like it's okay to be injured. Like I was and depressed and also like excited to go to yoga class. Like you don't have to just be one. And I think that space of like kind of living with holding both truths or more than one truth at the same time is difficult for people. It was difficult for me. It's easier to cling to one side. It's easier to be one thing than to be like, it's cloudy. Like it sucks, but like the sun's going to, you know, it's, it's hard to be on both sides of that. We so badly want to cling to this one thing. And I think I'm just trying to say it's, it's like, how can we challenge ourselves to embrace all spectrums of human emotion and experience? It doesn't need to just be this one thing that we have for the remainder of our lives. Well, and it's the being with it too, where the, just to use the sun example, it's like, it's gloomy and I'm feeling bummed because it's gloomy. And I also know to be true that at some point the sun's going to come out and it's not going to be like this forever. And the being able to see that you're both hopeful and positive and also a little bummed is where I've noticed because I interact with people so much and like when they come into yoga and I'm like, you know, you know, it's new for you or whatever. And they're like, they'll quickly go from, well, this is happening, but at least I'm here. And I'm like, I don't want to skirt straight to, but you're here. Exactly. Yeah. You don't have to swing so fast. Yeah. Yes. (laughs) Like if you don't hold this, the, the like environment within yourself of, well, I do, I am noticing I'm a little bummed and I'm also noticing I'm hopeful. Like it's cool to see that I can be not wavering between the two, but like holding both as the two truths. I'm glad you brought that up because it's like you said, it's easy to just swing back to, it's like, no, I'm fine. Everything's great. (laughs) Because people don't want you to be uncomfortable uncomfortable. either. Or they don't, they're like, I don't want to make you uncomfortable. I can tell you, you don't know what to say next. So I'm just going to cover it. It's so quick. It's so interesting how we quickly communicate each other with each other as humans. When we see someone is uncomfortable with, our pain, for instance. And right. And I mean, you experienced, I feel like this reminds me of your excursion, like the ultimate of how many emotions can I feel in one day? 
you know, and like not bypassing one, but really just trying to experience them all as they were. I mean, I can't imagine that, but that's a prime example of, of something like this to an extreme level of like, okay, I'm going to feel hot, cold, angry, pissed, happy, elated, laughing, crying, like all in one day (laughs) over and over and over again, repeatedly. Exactly. Like, holy wash, rinse, repeat. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) But when you were sharing that part of that, I was just like, because I think I was really sitting in this as well during your, you know, your posts were speaking to me because it was very much like today sucked on some days or today was awesome. And, you know, the opposite of whatever you, you started your statement with, like, here's the update and here are the multitude of things that we're experiencing. And it was nice to read instead of just like day four, let's go, you know, it's <laughs> nice to see like a little bit of, of that, um, variance in an experience, um, instead of just like, you put in what you get out, work hard, train hard. We're here to do the thing, you know, and like just putting these slapping these one-liners on the thing. And so anyway, I appreciated that because I think it did come at a time when I was just really embarking on like, oh, both things can be true. You can be hurting and hold joy at the same time. Like this isn't, we're not made to be robots and experience one thing. (laughs) Yeah. I mean, I know we're trying to put microchips in our brain and be robots, but we are not them yet. So (laughs) let's not go there. We're still human beings. I know. So, uh, Carol, what do you do for your, what's your, like, um, if you get an ideal day that you're not, for instance, like you don't have to travel to the airport at 5am and go do something. Um, but you get like a a standard ideal day. What is it like? What is your self-care kind of rhythms and rituals look like for taking care of yourself? It's definitely stayed somewhat consistent, but also changed a little bit over the years. But, you know, when I was with Rise, it was like we were working so much and all day long on the computer and never shut down. So it did waver then. And so I think now I'm even more in tune with what that can be. So I really enjoy walking. So it sounds like such a simple thing, but I start my day with a walk. I do a walk in the middle of the day and I end my day with a walk and all three of them are not the same. So the first one's like no headphones, just dog silence morning, middle of the day is usually like catching up on whatever I've missed voice memo wise from people or friends or anything like that. And end of the day is no headphones, silence. So that as far as self-care goes, that has been so instrumental for me because I noticed that my body does well when I'm just steadily moving without an agenda and without a, like a specific like plan or goal, or like, I need to get this done and just aimlessly wandering that has brought me so much creativity and create like all of my thoughts happen on these walks. Like all of the things I ever wanted to create happen on these walks. Mm -hmm. So I think without those, I would not be at all aware of most of myself and my own self-care, for example, I wouldn't even know what I wanted in, in, in any of it. So that's been huge. That started honestly during COVID. I mean, I've always loved it, but that really started during COVID time. And recently I've gotten into just like a f- more holistic practices. So I know this sounds really like, this is very cheesy and new agey, but aside from three days a week at the gym or swimming, which I do twice a week. So five days a week of actual exercise, 
for 45 minutes, everybody. I do five days, only 45 minutes. No, that's me too. I it's like the greatest. At all no, I, I think it's funny because I, <laughs> I, I'm around some, some people that I'm, I'm witnessing like how hard they go like every day and multiple times a day. And I'm like, you don't need to do that. Yeah. Yeah. So I have stepped. So those are my like actual quote unquote training moments. Um, but aside from that and getting into the more like hoodoo voodoo type things for myself, I'm obsessed with like lymphatic work and I've been doing it on myself and it's been a game changer. Like I will literally put castor oil on my feet and like, Ah. or like on my right after my period, like on my, um, abdomen, like ovary area. <laughs> I've just learned about castor oil. Uh, I, my, my, one of my friends is a functional nutritionist and she was telling me about like liter, liver detoxification yes. and she's like castor oil packs. And immediately my brain went to pregnancy and taking castor oil to get the baby to come. That's and I was like, I, in my mind, as she's talking, I, my listening turned off. I'm like, yeah. She goes, no, 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 You don't ingest it. She's like, yeah. you put it on your body as a limp, a drain. Like it's a- amazing. And I, I, I was kind of rolling my eyes at first, like how many more things of this can we handle? But it works for me. I find that very specific things work for me. Um, I do really well in recumbent positions just because of swimming. So like if I'm laying flat on a floor, have legs up or whatever, I feel like I'm able to like completely deflate. I, I inflame quite easily still in my life. I, my body thinks it's doing like 10 K yards. The moment I start exercising sometimes okay. just depends on how stressed I am in life. Usually like if I go into the gym and I'm already stressed, my body will think it's, it goes into fight or flight. It's like, what, where are we training for eight hours right now? Or are we just going to do, you know, so I have to really, yeah. how do you notice that? Like, what is the body? What is the thing that you, you can inflammation okay. immediately? I can't, I won't be able to get my rings off my fingers, sleep, night sweats, so all of that kind of stuff and that castor oil, like self-massage, like just like lymphatic from the neck down. And I, I just took a little course and I have a woman here that taught me a lot of techniques. So I just do it on myself and, and I go to her every now and then, but I'll just like, after my period, like I don't, you know, I try and clear estrogen out or extra fluid or whatever. And it's just, um, it's really nice. It, it's nice for me. It feels good for me to just lock myself in my room and take 20 minutes to just chill. (laughs) But I would, that's a really big piece that I think has helped me a lot because I think it not only clears something physically, it clears it mentally for me, because when you are moving that lymph and that fluid, your brain is actually draining extra things that can cause fog or any sort of stress, mental stress that's, you know, weighing on your, your brain and everything like that. So Um, I've really been into that lately, which is kind of fun. Uh, so all you gua sha people out there, it's the same thing. (laughs) You can use your gua sha if you want. And yeah, I think, I mean, if I could go on and on about just little things I've tried, but I would say those are the staples for me. Nothing fancy. Keep it simple. Things I can do when I travel is what I tell myself. Like, Oh, great. Yeah. I can take this with me other places then let's get into the practice of it here. Cause I'm not going to like have all these bells and whistles and leave and then freak out. Yeah. I have personality. To like pack so many things for your journeys. Yeah. Not yeah. A, yeah. So just keep it simple, you know, eat food from the ground, take care of your body, use oils that have been around since before bugs were around and, you know, figure out how you can make the best with what you have, because we have so many resources out there and you don't need 8,000 of them. You really only need 
a few, your body can't handle more than that. Anyway, it will think it's stress. <laughs> Truly. Mm-hmm. It will think it's stress. Like if you have 18 practices that you're doing, your body doesn't know the difference between going out and running a marathon and then putting all of these things and stressing your nervous system out to try and do more, 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 more to heal yourself. Yeah. And then that, that can be too, with that kind of, uh, I think it's called titrating when you like are taking in even like supplements, it's like take one in and then yes. like a smaller amount and then add in and then, but you're not doing all of these things. I was speaking with someone yesterday and she said, she told me how she has this like journal that she keeps about all these practices that she's acknowledging herself for of like, did I, you know, make meals at home? Check. Did I do my meditation? Check. Did I go for a walk? Check. Did I, and I was like, oh my gosh, you're like putting a lot of pressure on your self-care. Yeah. yeah. Is if you then to, to your point is then if you travel or you do get a day where you can't do all these things, you would then the opposite is true is where you get stressed from not being able to self-care. Right. Exactly. Right. And I think that I'm so glad you brought this up because I've had more people ask me in the past year about this. And and I know we have to hop in a second, but just to close this out, you don't need a thousand things that you're doing in order to maximize your health. Like, you know, yes, there are a thousand podcasts out there and there's people with a million different things that you can try and blood work to get and these genetic factors and this and stem cell patches. And, you know, I mean, like the list goes on and on and on, and there may be a time and place to try a little bit of everything in your life. Sure. But like you said, if you're doing it all at once and not titrating it, your body cannot decipher and understand what's going on. Like it's taking in too much information at once. And it's like a computer, like it will crash. (laughs) And so just kind of figuring out like, okay, this isn't a checkbox list. This is like, what can I do? That's the the minimal amount of things that will make me feel regulated again, back to the regulation. Like the whole goal of self-care is to regulate your nervous system. It's not to check boxes. It's to say, what makes me feel regulated? If that's 30 seconds of breath work every morning, then it's 30 seconds of breath work. (laughs) That's it. Like if that works for you, that works for you. And I think just trying new things to see what really sticks and what you can stick with is yeah. And what kind of suggestion would you make in, in that realm of like how long I have my own like thoughts on this from my experience of like you try something out for how long and that maybe one new thing versus like if you add in if you do four new self-care practices every day, you don't know which one of those is like the one because you might be in box checking mode versus actually paying attention to what's regulating you mode. So like if someone gives themselves a new practice before adding another new practice or changing out, how long would you like, what's the, what's your experience of like building new habits and noticing the the difference in regulation for you? That's such a good question. Cause you know, it's like easy to say like, oh, a month or two months or give like a specific time on that. And I'm going to go with an unconventional way of saying, I think it's when you realize the way you've handled something for the first time. And I think it's, so it's interesting if you, if you have, you know, work stress or relate again, going back to your daily life, if you all of the sudden notice, wow, every day that thing bothers me a little less or every day I don't, I don't hyper-focus on this thing from 10 years ago, a little bit less. It's like, oh, I wonder if that's because I'm doing breath work every morning. Or I wonder if that's because I'm writing in my journal and I'm letting those thoughts out of my body. I think that's a big way of 
for people to see progress. That's a little more tangible than like, okay, I, you know, I, I feel better, I think, <laughs> you know, like, or maybe this has worked. I mean, if it's like a supplement re- regimen or whatever, then blood work, then, you know, skin, then I, you know, whatever it is that you notice on your physical body, weight loss or more muscle or whatever it is that you're looking for. I think that's a tangible thing, but something that I firmly stand by. And, and if it comes to like breath work or meditation or yoga or journaling, it's how are you handling situations that trigger you? Cause that's a huge, huge thing. <laughs> like if you can start to see like, oh, I stopped and took a breath before I responded to that situation. Like that's working for me now, then stick with that. Because I know that's what I've noticed personally is like, oh, okay. I didn't feel the need to like jump in and like say my two cents on that thing. I like paused and like regrouped (laughs) before I handled the situation. And so maybe my practices are starting to pay off. Yeah. And when we have those moments, nobody really knows except for us. Right. We're like, whoa, <laughs> I'm different. Right. I, I'm different one time. Like I have, what is my, one of my coaches says, one in a row, like for one time that we didn't do the opposite of what our pat back to the patterning of like what right. we normally patterned as. Right. And it takes, I think is like to wrap all this up is like, it's the awareness. It's yeah. seeing like, wow, I used to do that. Now I'm not. That used to bother me. Now I'm not. That's awareness. Yeah. And then maybe you do go and you switch to some different self-care routine and you notice that you bring back some old pattern. It's having the, the awareness about it, but also being kind with yourself and holding the space in your own body of like, Ooh, that didn't go so great, but I still love myself. I'm still right. good enough. Right. Yeah. Yeah. And, and not giving up if you stumble a little at first on practices that, you know, it, it's, it's not going to happen overnight, which is a novel idea for all of us, even myself to still think about, cause I like things to happen overnight, but it's just not going to. <laughs> so taking the space and time to practice those things and not just saying, Oh, it's not working for me after a week, but giving it a second, like how, how do you really know you don't. So keep going and see what happens. Yeah. Awesome. Thank you for listening. If what you heard today lit you up in any way, please take the time to subscribe, like, and share the podcast with your friends. It'll help us reach more people in courageously and confidently rocking life. Make sure you follow me on Instagram to see the messy fun I'm up to at the Adrian Smith and check out my current wellness events and coaching programs on my website, alignedlivingnow.com. I look forward to being with you next week. Until then, get messy.